because they're out there. They're all over the place that you could somehow, even if it is just a persuasive letter to go with it, to send to someone, um, but looking for those problems in your community that you can you can somehow connect to your to your grade level or other grade levels in your school. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So this is Annalise Corbin, and I am super, super excited today to bring you uh, Learning Unboxed. We are on the road again, this time in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. And we are talking with an amazing third grade teacher at Reynoldsburg City Schools, Angela Farino, who past has been very fortunate to get to experience in a number of different capacities over the years, from uh, taking some of the P3 stuff to leading some of our summer programs to now being a mentor and coach to other teachers going through some of our programs. So we're really excited that we had the opportunity to come and visit your classroom today. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. So we want to talk about a really, truly amazing sort of program and program adaptation that Angela has been working on for a number of years, along with the rest of the district, tied to something they call the Smart Reynoldsburg Project. So I want to start very high level. Angela, explain to our listeners, for starters, what what is this project? Um, So this started three years ago um, here in third grade, and we were looking to make our social studies um, activities more engaging and also more real world. We had gone through um, the STEM continuum. We've been a STEM school for a while, um, and our next step was really trying to make things more real world. And in third grade in Ohio, our history standards are all around Reynoldsburg. So we were trying to figure out how can we relate that history to what's going on now or what's coming in the future. And at the same time, we had been doing some cardboard challenges and we also wanted to make those more relevant to the students. Um, And so we were trying to brainstorm a way to still use the cardboard challenge, um, but make it go with a real world problem. And so we started by deciding to have them make a futuristic Reynoldsburg, but we wanted it to be something that really could happen in Reynoldsburg, you know, not just aliens and all that kind of stuff. Um, so <laughs> you we, took the joy right out yeah, of an alien you know, encounter in Reynoldsburg. <laughs> it been, you know, who knows? But it would have gone there. Right. Um, and so we started by inviting residents. We worked with the Historical Society and honestly, social media. I mm-hmm. went out on Facebook to the different Reynoldsburg pages um, and asked for anybody that had lived here more than 50 years or 50 years to come in. And our students interviewed them about how it's changed. So we started by looking for trends of how it's changed over time. And that also then covered our history standards. But then the smart city part came along um, because Columbus had just won the smart city challenge, the mm-hmm. grant. Um, and we wanted, and Reynoldsburg's a suburb. Um, so we wanted to kind of get in on that. And so the future part of it came with smart city. So we had learned about the history of Reynoldsburg and what's changed. And from then we could figure out what might change in the future. But we also wanted to talk about what is coming in the future. So we had Smart City Columbus come out a couple of times and they talked to the kids about the future of mobility 
and um, how they're using problems within Columbus and technology and data to um, help fix some of those problems. And so we kind of came up with what are some problems within Reynoldsburg, such as traffic mm-hmm. or honestly overpopulate. You know, we mm-hmm. have a ton. We're kind of landlocked. And um, and we looked of, okay, in the future, how, how are we going to deal with that? So then from that, the students um, worked on making small plots of Reynoldsburg, what they think it would be like in 50 years, but they had to justify their changes based on either what they think will change because it's trended, you know, it was trending to change um, from the residents or because um, Smart Columbus, you know, is bringing a lot of that and eventually it will trickle down here to Mm us. And so their changes had to be justified. It's a car dealership. Yeah. That's what we call when we sell cars, right? Yeah, yeah. But this one is just for electric cars. Is that what you're telling me? That's pretty cool. So is this is this something that exists in Reynoldsburg today? Or is this something that we don't have in Reynoldsburg and you think we need? We need it because for like we don't want more pollution in the earth. Um, and then when you put all their small plots together for the whole third grade, it makes an entire alphanumeric grid of Reynoldsburg. And so then we could use that alphanumeric grid with our geography standards too. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a third grade wide project or is this a Miss Farino project? This is third grade here at Herbert Mills. Right. I cannot take credit. Like there, I'm very quick to jump with ideas, but my team is very awesome at grounding me, but also like figuring out the time, you know, how long it's going to take and helping me lay it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've been helping me. And every year um, when we do this project, we, it improves either because Smart Columbus has changed and we're, mm-hmm. we're learning more about it. We did an actual third grade over the summer. My third grade team went to Smart Columbus, you know, to see what's happening mm-hmm. because we want to make sure we're also bringing that information back to our students. Um, we got to ride the autonomous shuttle yep. um, and we wanted to be able to say we did that and be able to speak to, you know, what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So I want to focus in just a little bit um, on the piece um, that you started with around the sort of cardboard challenge. And the reason I want to sort of key in on that is because that is very low-hanging fruit. So the cardboard challenge has been around for a number of years. Um, we've done it with you guys here at Reynoldsburg mm-hmm. a number yeah. of times. It's all over. We, we use it a lot um, in Ohio, but many, many places around the globe have utilized the cardboard challenge. And so I think that it it was a it was an opportunity, right, for you to take this thing that you're existing and you're doing and you want to give it some real-world relevance um, with your students. And teachers make that sort of leap all the time. But sometimes it's really difficult to get your community to join in with you. I love the creative factor of you being able to go out to your community and say, hey, if you've lived here 50 years, come and tell us what's different. So as you sort of thought about making that shift and that iteration sort of in that first year, was it a tough haul or was it kind of an easy haul or somewhere in the middle? Because I I can just see folks standing back and say, oh, yeah, I'd love to do this. But man, that sounds, I mean, you're going on and on. There's so many pieces. How do I do the baby steps to get there? From the cardboard challenge? Yeah. Or or any similar thing that a school may already be doing. I, I think the point was that you you adapted a thing that was already sort of ingrained into the community instead of white piece of paper, blank slate, let's start something new. You said, hey, we have this thing. Um, And I would say, look, like for me, um, also being from Reynoldsburg, um, I feel like I'm constantly looking, and a lot of it is on social media, I see Mm -hmm. things, looking for those problems, looking for those ways 
and then look thinking about things we already do because you're right you don't want to recreate you know thinking about what we already do and how can I take those problems that are happening right now and move them back into what we're already doing. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit then about, so year one, great success. And now you're thinking about year two. And at this point at Herbert Mills, uh, a STEAM elementary, um, you are in the third year of this project. So, So what's different between year one implementation and year two? Year one... So there's a couple of more steps and we've advanced it. Year one, one of the things, a simple thing we did um, looking back is when we made the alphanumeric grid, Reynoldsburg is not a perfect grid. It is not a perfect, you know, square rectangle. Um, and Most so communities kinda, aren't, right? Not. We kind of <laughs> let them build, you know, wherever. And then when we put the classrooms together, we realized, oh, the streets did not, like we had them put their main streets, but um, my broad street and my classroom connected to another classroom and they didn't necessarily connect, you know, mm-hmm. um, Little things like that. When we looked at our entire grid, we realized we really want them to have to be confined to the Reynoldsburg space, not the communities, even if it's on our grid, um, as well as we want them to have to connect to the other rooms. Um, So instead of my classroom doing it and the other three classrooms doing it, and then we put them together this year, uh, we slowly started doing that last year. And then this year, what we did is one way we did that, we had all the um, third graders come together. And we looked at amenities and restaurants, as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we realized that in two of our quadrants, we don't have as many. And that's, you know, and that's something to think about. And that's real world Reynoldsburg. Real world Reynoldsburg, yep. Um, And so that's something when they were trying to decide what businesses they might put somewhere, you know, they really wanted to make sure that people in every location of Reynolds, you know, had amenities um, and had restaurants, you know, available to them. And so is this a new place or a redesign of a place that already exists in your... Because you're you're building this project is around thinking about Reynoldsburg in 50 years, right? Yes. That's the gist of your project. Yes. Okay. And so, is this family fun place here already, or is this is a new place you're designing? New place. New place. And why did you why did you choose this place? Because we didn't have a lot of amenities. Okay. So you can be your city of the future or your city right now. Um. The city right now. The city right now. Okay, yeah. All right. So you're saying, hey, these are things we need. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other step that's changed since the first year we've done it is um, the first year we we did talk about um, Smart Columbus. We did talk about, you know, the autonomous cars and those things. Um, but we were not using the United Nations Global Goals as a school. Um, and last year we started connecting all of our anchor assignments, no matter what grade level, to a global goal. And so this year, um, we connected it to the sustainability Mm -hmm. um, as well as innovation and industry and even infrastructure. And infrastructure is tough for third grade, but they they get it. We had to talk about, you know, what is infrastructure um, and how can we improve it and how are we going to make sure it's sustainable? And so this year, we also, as a grade level, looked at, um, okay, one thing they thought would benefit us is a shuttle. Mm -hmm. If we had um, a shuttle, which they want to make autonomous in the future what would make sense if we look at Reynoldsburg, where would the stops be, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And so again, they had to communicate with the other classrooms to make sure our roads connected. And then this year we had a um, little robot that went up our Broad Street um, and he, they made him a CODA bus, an autonomous mm-hmm. CODA bus. And he mm-hmm. was able to connect from one classroom's work to another um, that way too. So we're trying to make it every year um, as real world, but also advancing the project a little bit more and improving it. And the kids do get, Largely, 
um, infrastructure. So, um, you know, woven into um, the interview, um, you will be listening to the kids talk about the work. I came in early uh, to the classroom so that they could tell me what was going on. And it is really clear to me that they have a very solid fundamental and foundational understanding of the infrastructure. But you could also sort of watch them sort of struggling and, okay, and I got to be thinking about this. And and the, the interactions amongst the kids, I really, really loved uh, to be able to see that. So keep walking me through your sheriff's department. So what are you going to do next? After I'm, I am done with this, mm-hmm. so I'm going to draw a bubble plan. So can you explain this to me? Because the... The folks who are listening, they can't see your bubble plan. So tell us what a bubble plan is. A bubble plan is when you draw something, it's sketching, and then you label it inside. But you kind of do it accurately. You make it how big it is and all that. So it's it's like really rough um, architectural drawings. It's like the it's like your rough draft for architectural drawings. That's pretty awesome. And then what happens next? So after you do that, then what are you going to do? So you will do this afterward. And what is this? That is your final plan. And is your final plan like like an actual space or architectural drawing? Or is it more like the bubble drawing? It's more like your architectural drawing. Um, I want to circle back around a little bit. Um just in case we've got folks um, who listen from all over the world who don't necessarily know or familiar with the United Nations Global Goals. So give us a little bit of an overview about that. And then talk to us about Reynoldsburg as a school district's decision to run down that road. So in general, the Global Goals, United Nations Global Goals, are 17 goals that the United Nations say that by 2030, we need to be working towards so that um, the world as a whole can be a better place um, and sustainable. And so as a district, we're looking at the sustainability piece, the innovation, and we're constantly trying to make things as real world as possible so that when our students graduate, you know, like even we're in third grade now, but by the time they graduate, they've been exposed to those things because 2030, only 10 years from now, you know, these goals have been around for a while, but exposing them to that, um, they're part of that solution. And they're, um, and I honestly feel like kids are more creative. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can think outside the box a lot more than um, adults. And so that's one of the things is we need kids to be thinking about that in our district and in other districts so that they can start coming up with those creative solutions that we may need in the future um, to help us reach those goals. Yeah, kids, absolutely, without question. And I say this on this program all the time, and I know you've heard me say it um, as well over the years in the building or whatnot. Kids don't have the same set of constraints. And because they don't have the same set of sort of innate pre-built-in constraints, when you ask them to solve a problem, you know, A, you know, you have no dire- idea what direction they're going to go. And there are the most creative nuggets in there. They may not be able to solve the big, hairy, audacious global problem right there in that right. moment. but I would almost bet that nine times out of 10, there's a nugget of what those kids come up with that is part of the solution. Oh, for sure. 
Um, and I see that every day as well. It's one of the things that I love so much about um, really moving kids into design thinking and design process and using that as one of the platforms for the way they do their teaching and learning. Well, and there's little things they can do now too. Yeah, like absolutely. We, um, the goal right now in economics, um, we've expanded our smart rooms for project economics. And right now the goal we're working on is global goal. 12, which is responsible um, consumers and producers. And right now we're working on the producer side, but we talked about um, the consumer part and we did some of the global goal. There are online lessons that go with the mm-hmm. global goals um, that are um, easily adaptable as well as some for younger grades. And we did some of those where the students you know, talked about what they had had for dinner that night. And they talked about some of the questions. They took a survey. Some of the questions were like, do you know um, if, you know, gender? If where your food comes from, if the people are treated fairly in that country. And gosh, I was like, I don't even know if I know that we were talking mm-hmm. about it. And it's like, mm-hmm. but those are things that as they get older, um, they're going to learn about different things like that. And we talked about as simple as like cutting back on plastic. Because mm-hmm. if you really think about everything you're eating for dinner, every part of it probably comes into plastic um, or straws. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. it was as simple as having the kids kind of come up with things to just talk to their parents about or things that they could do. Um, one of them said, I just need to close the fridge more often, you know, something as simple as that, that they could do now that would still help. Yeah. And they pick up on that stuff very, very quickly. And it was really interesting because as I was going around the room, uh, talking to all the different kids, um, that came up over and over again. They kept wanting me to know about what was the sustainable part of what (laughs) they had done. That was very clearly they had gotten that message um, as part of the project. And the the other piece that I thought was really intriguing. So for our listeners, um, and we will will post some artifacts um, uh, of this as well, so you can sort of see it. But the kids were working on doing doing their planning around creating a, a business, an infrastructure, a thing, either because it wasn't in Reynoldsburg, and that was an intriguing question that I had with the kiddos. So is this thing here, or you 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 recognize we need it, or it's already here and you want to modify it? So that was a a fun conversation. And within that, they had to be thinking about well, what what do we need for this thing to be successful? So. How do you wrap that into the fabric of your day-to-day? Because one of the things that we often hear as schools are making that transition into more PBL as an ongoing everyday thing. And and elementary teachers are natively good at that. But that's not always the case as we move up into the grades. But as a district, Reynoldsburg has really made an effort to try to make that more of the norm. And so within that space, then how do you roll that into the fabric of your day as it relates to, we're going to stop and do this project and then we're going to go off and do something else? Um, So we relate it throughout the whole day. Um, Here at our school, just being a Mm steep school and having, you know, worked with past, we do the design challenge. Mm -hmm. We do it with writing because that's editing. That's Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, Our math teachers do the design. They talk about the design cycle within um, even word problems. Yep. And so they're pretty used to that part of it. Um, But some of what we were able to do, like, for example, in reading, um, there are a lot of articles um, that go around the ideas that we're working with within this project. So they could get some of that background knowledge and all that prior knowledge before from those articles. We also had done some persuasive writing where they were reading about plastic and the effects in the ocean. And so by the time we get to this project, they have a lot of that background knowledge as well. Um, and already. And so then it's just exposing them to, you know, the constraints of the project. And um, we, we've we been having um, some experts come in, as we call them, mm-hmm. um, because, for example, we had our architectural design teacher come in from the high school. That is not something I could do. I made an example and he would probably not. I didn't take his class. So it would not be a super awesome example. But he, I can't teach that, but mm-hmm. he can. And having, or those residents from Reynoldsburg, I've been here, but not 50 years. And right. so 
having those, it's as simple as having those people come in too and speak um, to what you're what you're learning about, but also trying to mix it within all the different content. And and it, it made an impact too, because they, the, I heard about your architect from the high school coming yeah. in, yeah, from the kids. So clearly that stuck with them. Yeah. And the thing that I was... Uh, I loved about that particular conversation was uh, um, the kiddo uh, who was who was touring around with me, Eric. He was a wonderful young man. Yes, he was yes, very excited. Awesome. Yes, he is awesome. And so he 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 recognized that as I was asking the questions, that it would help me as the ignorant adult he was talking to in that moment. Right? If he could show me an example. Most fun part is going to be coast spaces. We're going to make the business in coast spaces. What does that mean, a co-space? A co-space? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to show you. Okay, you're going to show me. All right. So, so you're going to a place called cospaces.edu. All right, so it's a web-based program that you're going to use as part of this process. Yes, and this is where we're going to make the final part of this plan, I think. So these are your co-spaces. So I'm going to show you one of mine. And you can work all around inside this space. And I can see you added people and television screens and all types of artifacts, including a dog in your co-space. This is what we're going to be using to make the project. Yeah, that is very cool, Eric. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for coming here and meeting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. For just for you, those connections are clearly being made. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really, it was really wonderful. So, what are some of the um, the aha moments for you as you have been working, not just on this project, but I think in your own personal teaching journey as it re- relates to this really applied approach with your kiddos? Um, I would say the first time I made it real world. Um, so we've been on. We're a STEM school now, but that's been in my 10 years I've been here. You know, we've had um, five principals, we've had mm-hmm. Common Core thing, then we were a traditional school. So then we became a STEM and now we're STEAM. And so things have changed a lot. Um, and one of the things um, we went through the STEM, the STEM um, continuum, including myself, mm-hmm. you know, and we went through um, starting STEM, mm-hmm. you know, with some of the more basic mm-hmm. things, you know, having the kids use a design challenge, you know, to make the, you know, how many books can you hold, you know, on obstacle stick Brit, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but one of the first things we did, and I think it's probably my favorite aha was I had seen on Facebook that Reynoldsburg was considering having a community center. It had not been voted on. Um, it was, Reynoldsburg was definitely split between if they wanted it or not. Um, and it would be partnered with the YMCA. And so for writing, um, I talked to my students and I said, um, I had the YMCA come in and I said, okay, if this is, do we think this is a good thing for Reynoldsburg? And of course, a lot of them, you know, think, yeah, because we just, they wanted more things. We had had a pool. That had burned down a community mm-hmm. pool and they knew this would bring a community um, pool. And so we said, okay, how, how could we convince people at all ages that this is a good thing? And how could we make it a good thing for all ages? So they had to really think about um, children, you know, babies, seniors, you know, adults, teenagers, mm-hmm. and what would this YMCA need to have? Um, and then they went and presented at a city council meeting as well as presented at a meeting where the community could just come in to discuss this. Um, and then it went up to vote. And the night that it was voted on, I got a text before even the votes in the news were saying that it had passed um, from the YMCA partner that I had had. And he came in the next morning and told our kids and and they lost it. And for me, that was like the coolest thing of like something that they felt like they had been a part of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of them were at the ribbon cutting. 
um, which was really cool. And it actually, the grand opening is this weekend. (laughs) And so, and I think what's cool about it is some of their ideas, partly because these ideas are in the why, right? Like they're going to be like, I want it. I had an indoor pool in my plan and it's there too. Right. Or I had, and so some of their ideas. And so I think that these kids that are now like seventh or eighth graders can have some ownership within that. That was realizing that how real world that was and how much of an impact it had on them um, was probably my biggest aha moment. And that's when from then on, I've been trying to make it as real as I could. Mm -hmm. But that also can be difficult because that was a one-time project. Once it was voted on, you know, and so Mm -hmm. there is, you know, um, it's constantly looking for new new little problems or new little ways to make it as real as you can. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a quite frankly that's a really beautiful story, right? <laughs> and and you know um you know you lived it and I'm hearing you tell me about it and it sort of gives me chills in that same sense, right? And we had a we had a teacher um in a community, you know, years ago um in another state who told me a very similar story about kids getting involved and having being able to watch their voice matter. And that it was really a powerful thing. So that's pretty amazing. Our economic, um, I told you when you came in earlier that we, um, part of how we're advancing this Smart Reynoldsburg project in third grade this year is we're taking what we had done for economics, which was a PBL, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't as real world, Mm -hmm. um, and trying to connect it. We're trying to connect as much as we can back to this Smart Reynoldsburg, this sustainability piece. And so the kids have chosen, you know, a business um, that had been on their plot that they had made their grid. And they're having to explain and make a business plan as if it's if it's a new business or if it's not. Um, how 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 do I know this will need it be needed in fifty years? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're um, doing the plot plans. Well, part of what um, they had to they had to think about. It's all right. So as the kids as the kids start working on the connecting of all of these pieces, right? And so they say, hey, I've got this pot pan and I've got this business. And then they ask, what next? Yes. So part of what they've done is I had the city developer come in and he's come in a couple of times. He comes in actually all the time because of this project. And he kind of laid it out for us of here's what, if you were a new business and you wanted to be in Reynoldsburg, here's what you'd have to do. And actually I learned a lot. The project has expanded since we talked to him because I was like, oh, we need to then have plot plans and oh, we need to, um, and he said there was a project they were working on in Reynoldsburg where they were asking residents to do if they wanted to do a facelift project is what they called it. And there was a website where they were um, asking residents to pick a place in Reynoldsburg and just give some ideas of how it could have a facelift on this website. And so when he said that, I kind of showed him some of the, mm-hmm. the co space of programs that we're working towards. And he said, when your kids are done with this, like I want to put this on that website. And so the kids know that like when they're done with this, their facelifts of what they think Reynoldsburg Mm -hmm. needs are going to be on that website again for people to see. Mm -hmm. And so I think that will be another aha of them, it actually being out there and then presenting it. Yeah, it's meaningful to them. And that's the other thing that I really love about the work that you're doing and the way that you're doing it. These kids have a tangible thing on the backside. And, you know, that's one of the two key components that I I see in my travels around the world, talking with folks about um, whether problem-based or applied, I don't care what label you put on it, doesn't make any difference. But the place where I see people stop over and over again is at the modification phase, right? And we we know that's where the greatest student learning takes place is when we don't get it quite right or we, we got it right, but we could do more with it and we have the opportunity to modify. But the other place that oftentimes we forget to give students the bandwidth they need and the opportunity is that presentation, that moment of sharing with the world, hey, I not only did this thing, 
but I own this thing. And that was one of the things that was absolutely readily apparent to me in my conversations and my travels around your classroom today. So bravo to you. Those kids own the process they're in. Well, and that can be the share The share part can be as simple as if you have someone that does come in, having them come back in. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, like the website or YMCA. It could be as simple as, you know, having those an authentic audience for them to present to people that are actually invested in would know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's, we started that way. And sometimes that's where they go to. Mm-hmm. And, and the kids have obviously picked up on that because several of them asked me, will you come back? Can I show it to you later? Right. So they clearly want to be able to share that. And that's a huge, huge win. So that's awesome. So one of the things that I know from many conversations, as folks are listening, they're sitting back um, in their own classrooms or even in their living room saying, oh, well, this is really awesome, but it can't possibly be that easy. Um, you know, you make it sound easy because you're living it and you love it. But the reality is, um, I assume in the same way you had these these wins, these aha moments, there've also probably been some intriguing constraints or obstacles along the way. And I always want to make sure that folks understand that we talk about the good and the bad together because it takes both of them to do true great things. So what are some of the things, the struggles in doing the work that you're doing right now, the way you're doing it? Um, I would say for me, one of the things um, I, I, I do work outside of my hours. I do, mm-hmm. you know, like um, I'm constantly one of a, a comfort thing for me is not um, calling people, reaching out to people. And so I'm having to get over that in order to get those experts and those partners mm-hmm. to come in. Um, although that's getting easier as well as just finding who the right people to talk to mm-hmm. sometimes is a struggle. We need a lot to talk about these things, um, to talk about the different anchor assignments we're doing and how we can improve them and how we can continue to make them more real world. But also, I think, like I was saying earlier, like just realizing, oh, there's more steps in what my students are doing. Like if I want to make it real, we probably should do it this way. And just being flexible enough with it that this this part of the project we're working on right now um, was going to be done in December. It is now an 18-week project. <laughs> and just being flexible with that part of it, right. of just knowing that time, you know, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because in order for it to be the end result that, you know, we want it to be and they want it to be, it's going to take more time. Um, especially with third grade, I have to keep telling myself it's third grade. Mm-hmm. Because what I picture in my mind as the end result, you know, may not be what a third grader, you know, can do. Mm-hmm. But their version of it will be, will be still be awesome. Yeah, and I also think it's also important that folks don't lose sight of the fact that you are doing this in place of, not on top of, mm-hmm. right? And so your project that becomes 18 weeks, right? So you you weren't doing that and all your other more traditional load. Right. You're literally modifying your entire experience because you are able by doing work this way with your students to grab everything that you have to accomplish in the third grade and weave it through. Yep, because I still am required. I still have the same mandated state test. Exactly, you know, still, right. Especially in third grade. Right, right. Um, and I still have, I had somebody ask me earlier, like what what social studies curriculum? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, I don't, I don't do the curriculum. Right. But I still have to teach all those same social yep. studies standards that everybody else does. Right. Um, and I also am language arts. So I'm teaching mm-hmm. reading and writing and all of those too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's that's a hard part, but I think that that's part of what you have to do is try to fit it all in. That way you're not also then having right. to do some sort of curriculum or, you know, I was mm-hmm. able to teach the social studies standards um, and I was able to do it 
and we hit geography mm-hmm. as much too. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that at the end of the year, we might not wind back around right. because there was something that we didn't cover, right. you know, or something like that, but trying to find it where you're right. It is mm-hmm. also doing what we need it to do. So we're not having to do because we don't have time. Right. Well, and I think that sometimes that becomes one of those first barriers. Oftentimes when I start these conversations or my t- the past team starts these conversations with schools, I can almost guarantee there's like a list of 10 things that in the first three months we are going to hear. And you always hear that one is, yes, but I have to do all this stuff over here. How could I possibly do this too? And it does get easier over time to be able to know how you weave those things together. And at first, it takes a lot of time, the planning, the thinking, how could I do it, the modification. But over time, as as teachers and schools get more and more comfortable in that space, it actually ultimately takes less time. Or it's a different kind of use of your time, back to your point. Yeah, I would agree. Well, and we do a lot of the back maps. Yeah. Probably saw some in the hallway. I did. I love them. We, we use them all the time. Um, That's a win. Yeah. I think like the, the hardest part for me is coming up with that that question. Yeah. That will, you know, cover all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like after we do that, if you have what you want at the end, just figuring out how can I incorporate as much of my content within that reading, writing, so that you're using it within that time, you know, that reading mm-hmm. time, that writing time. So that by the time you get to that project, you don't have to teach, you know, all of that. Um, one of our things we changed this year is we have a Reynoldsburg history project that we do or a field trip we do at the end of the year. Um, and we realized, well, if we did it now, then that would save us time for another, you know, things we're doing at the end of the year, but also it goes with this. Mm-hmm. And then they could really see that. And so little things like that and just being able to be flexible with moving you know, some things around and when you, when you do things. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome, awesome journey. Um, I always try to wrap the program up for folks with sort of the high lob in the sense that, you know, again, folks sitting back and thinking about the journey that you've been on and, you know, what, what is your one piece of advice to a new teacher in a school that's not gone down this journey yet contemplating, Hey, I want to, I want to be like Ms. Farino. Um, what, what, what piece of advice would you give to folks as they start their journey? Um, I would say start small. Um, really for us, the design cycle, really getting the kids comfortable with the design cycle. It's been a lot easier when kids come to me already, Mm -hmm. um, having learned that, but getting them used to the design cycle, um, getting them used to not one solution at the end, getting them used to not getting the solution, Mm -hmm. you know, from me Mm -hmm. or getting hints from it, um, and being more of like a guide or a facilitator. But I would also say just as small as just looking for those problems because they're out there. They're all over the place that you could somehow, even if it is just a persuasive letter to go with it, to send to someone, um, but looking for those problems in your community that you can you can somehow connect to your to your grade level or other grade levels in your school. And that's always possible. It, always. it, it doesn't, it, it takes being brave enough to make the leap, but it's not hard once you actually yeah, roll up your sleeves. It doesn't have to be the, the huge leap. To right. Say. Please don't. No, please don't. <laughs> I think that, that's so always my guy. Yeah. yeah, please do not do that. Yeah. Don't make that mistake. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for um, allowing me into your classroom today, but also um, over the years uh, sharing your journey with us. We truly appreciate it. And you're doing amazing stuff in your classroom. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>